0: Thank you so much. Let's give a round of applause to the worship team. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Brother Josué and Brother Samuel for using your talents, your abilities to lead us and uh, give us that uh, extra flavor of worship. So thankful for all of you and and, uh, just thankful for a church that loves to worship and is growing in our worship. Man, I I am always uh, uh, just in awe of uh, those songs that we sing that have such great truth. And uh, it is just uh, awesome to be able to sing those truths and worship our risen Savior uh, with that truth. And thankful to Pastor Jeremy for giving me the opportunity uh, to preach this morning. And uh, it is a joy and a uh, great, uh, just a a great uh, uh, opportunity. Every time that uh, uh, this opportunity is given to me, I I appreciate it. I'm thankful for it. I... um, solemnly take this uh this moment to stand behind the pulpit knowing that it is god's word and god's spirit that does the work but we have been given the task of uh trying to point us towards the direction of truth and to grow together and i i want to say that from the very onset this morning that i am um growing in this truth. And I, I definitely feel like as I looked at this message that God guided me to, I thought, man, this is something that I needed more than anything. And so if you will, uh, I will be preaching to myself first and foremost this morning. And I uh, hope that in preaching to myself, we will learn together uh, something that will be profitable to all of our lives. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is what will be uh, this morning. And um, I know that Uh, Last week I spoke on, uh, in in the Spanish, well we did a bilingual, but I spoke in, uh, uh, preached in Spanish about the thief on the cross, and so that was Luke chapter 23. So we're just one chapter ahead uh, in Luke chapter 24, and last week we talked about the decision, the decision that was reached, and uh, the decision that is being made, and this week I'd like to talk about the disciples, And I want to speak about the disciples' reactions to the resurrection. And though we don't have time to go through all of them, I think they all have something to teach us. Many aspects of looking at what happened and the response, the reaction that the disciples had to the resurrection has so much to teach us in the way of, how we should react and respond uh, to the resurrection as well. But I want to focus a little bit on this portion here in Luke 24 because in coming across it, it caught my attention. I have uh, probably heard many preachings through the decades of my Christian walk on uh, Luke chapter 24, And so I promise you that if you're a Christian and you've been in the faith for a while, I will not be revealing anything new to you. But just looking at it from this perspective, uh, as the Lord spoke to me, I feel like it's something that is worthy of us looking at it and and contemplating it. I will be focusing on verses 13 through 49 of Luke 24. And so Luke uh, uh, 24, verses 13 through uh, 39, we'll be focusing. Initially, I want to read verses uh, 13 uh, and, and through the... The end of, uh, of verse thirty-one. As I want to get some context on this, this is known as the walk to Emmaus, and uh, there is much that has been done uh, that has been done to highlight this in Christianity, uh, just because of all the truth that is drawn out of. This passage, and so uh, though there's so much depth there, I just want to give us a a a quick overview of what we're looking at, and then we'll quickly look at a few things to learn this morning, and we'll be on our way uh, this morning. Luke 24 verses 13 verse 13 and on says this, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Like I said, I've mentioned a few times, I've just really fallen in love lately with this. Just giving me a fresh perspective. I I grew up uh, uh, memorizing and reading out of the King James, and I love it. It's just just tried and true and I love it but this has just giving me a fresh insight. And I love the way it reads the story to me in a, in a unique way and so I'll be reading out of that and using it. If you have a different version do not worry about it. Just follow along there at verses 13 and on of Luke 24. That same day two of Jesus' followers that's how this version describes it. The disciples, they are not part of the initial 12 disciples but there, are, there was that word disciples was used in a broad perspective to all the followers of Jesus. And so these are two of the followers of Jesus. And they were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And so we're talking about, um, I live um, in a place that is uh, from, from Camp Loma the Vida. It's four and a half miles from my house to the camp. And I was thinking about that the other day as I was studying this. Man, seven miles walk, that's a long walk. I mean, it would take me a while to walk seven miles. So these two disciples were on their way, or two followers of Jesus, on their way to a village called Emmaus, and they're walking from Jerusalem. And this is, uh, uh, like I said, this is shortly after the resurrection. And so as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him he asked them what are you discussing so intently as you walked along uh intently uh Something here is conveying the fact that there was passion in what was happening. Um, Grief can be passion. Um, Sadness can be passion. Joy can be passion. There's a lot of things that can spark passion. The Bible doesn't tell us what it is, though more than likely there was a solemnness and sadness, and we'll see this in the next verse. It says that they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who had told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets and explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it is getting so late. So he he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. Let's pray, Father, we love you. Thank you for your word, for your truth. Thank you for this time here, Lord. I need of you, we need of you. Lord, help this not to be just another religious service, but may it be a sweet and important and personal encounter with you. May it be something that marks our life as a growth point. May we be able to be led by your spirit into your word and may truth flow into our hearts from it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. A disciple's reactions to the resurrection, as we will see here at this moment, uh, there is doubt, there is uh. Clearly, some sadness. Uh, There is uh, some hope and some expectation that has been crumbling, come crumbling down. Uh, There is um, uh, uh, the possibilities uh, that were endless just a few days ago of what this Messiah and what this Savior could do have all come crashing down. There is a major letdown. Uh, There is a major uh, turnover and turmoil. Then the resurrection happens. The rumors of the resurrection begin to spread. The reality of the resurrection begins to settle in through what will be taking place in the next few moments to the next few days to the next few weeks. And I want us to look what happens to the disciples their reactions to the resurrection. Because I believe we just celebrated last Sunday, the resurrection Sunday. We celebrated in our calendar year, at least the moment in which we mark a remembrance of Jesus rising from the the dead, of Jesus being the resurrected savior. We celebrate that. But I wonder if sometimes it just glosses over on us. I wonder if sometimes uh, we need to go back and take a few moments to contemplate on what should really be happening in our lives as a reaction to the resurrection. I want us to notice, firstly, a powerful burn, a powerful burn. Verse number 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Oh, dear friend, this morning, as a reaction to the resurrection here, we see disciples had a powerful burn. What was it that began? What was it that created that powerful burn? Number one, we see there a time with Jesus, time with Jesus. They spent time. Like I said, it was seven miles. At what point was it mile one or mile two that Jesus came onto the scene on that road uh, from Emmaus to uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus? We do not know. But what we do know is that along that path, here came a, a, a stranger to their eyes, but somebody that was truly the Son of God. It was Jesus in his resurrected body. And there he was walking alongside them. And that time with Jesus, they said and they uh, uh, recorded in verse 32, didn't our hearts burn with us as he talked with us? Dear Christian, can I tell you something? If you examine in the spiritual mirror of your life and there is a lack of burn in your life, might it be because there has not been time with Jesus? Might it be that on the road, uh, you have been walking either alone or with others that are not pointing you towards that direction? Encouraging you to to stop and to think about who it is that we have a relationship with, a personal walk relationship with. Dear Christian young person, can I encourage you? There is no greater friend in your life. There is no greater uh, relationship that you need to cultivate than time with Jesus because it will create a powerful burn. As Christians, our reaction to the resurrection should be, Lord, thank you, because of the resurrection, I get to talk with you and have a relationship with you. Were it not for the resurrection, were it not for the third day that that stone was rolled away and powerfully coming from the grave, was Jesus resurrected from the dead, overcoming death and sin, were it not for that, you and I, dear friend, could be as passionately pursuing Jesus as we wanted to for nothing. But because he resurrected, we get to spend time with Jesus. May we not take that for granted. May we not go through our days, through our weeks and through our months and put Jesus and time with Jesus on the back burner. No, may we burn powerfully because of time with Jesus. But not only do we see that the powerful burn was created by time with Jesus, it says there, didn't our heart burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Not only because of time with Jesus, but truth about Jesus. Truth about Jesus. You know, uh, we live in the information age. Uh, I'm old enough to remember uh back when computers had those little floppy disks, you know. Uh and uh if I talked to my brother Jim, he'd probably know all the, the sizes of computer. He was a computer uh, in his uh background, his studies, and he likes computers as always like computers. And uh there there was a, a incremental growth of what was stored on that little floppy disk, to the other kind of CD disk, uh to now. The mega mega terabytes of information on, on a little phone like this, or on anything, pretty much on a little device that size. We live on the inform- We live in the information age. There's a lot out there. If you begin, as you many of you do, uh, flipping up on the TikTok, when does it end? It doesn't. When do you get to the end of your Facebook feed and it says the end? Internet, the end. It doesn't. It just never stops. Billions and billions of terabytes of information just continually flowing. One of the dangers is that we can create, out of the eternal truths about Jesus, just one more thing that we flip through. Can I tell you something? The reaction from the disciples to the resurrection Is that that was a powerful burn in them because of time spent with Jesus and because of the truth about Jesus that they learned? That they learned. Christian, what are you learning about Jesus today? Uh, We went through a season of of our our lives. uh, Me, Pastor Jeremy. And uh, our, well, we call him Coach Hansen, but Ray Hansen is our missionary over in Reynosa. And for a while, season of, of life, uh, just just so happened we, we play golf a lot. We play golf a lot. It's been it's been a while, hasn't it, Pastor Jeremy? I mean, we need to get back to that. Anyways, um, uh, we play golf a lot. And one thing I remember is that Coach Hansen, every time we'd get up to play on the first tee, he'd say, "Hey guys, what's been Jesus? What's Jesus been teaching you lately?" And I remember it stayed in my mind as something that was absolutely just always continually on his mind. Like, what has Jesus taught you? So I ask you that question this morning. What has Jesus taught you about himself lately? You say, "Uh, Brother John, uh, what, what do you mean? There was a powerful burn in the hearts of these disciples because they spent time with Jesus because they learned the truth about Jesus. Can I tell you something, Christian? If you're cold, if you're indifferent, it's probably because of one of two reasons. Either you're not spending time with Jesus or you're not growing in the truth that you know about Jesus. Because if you have that, that creates burn, a powerful burn in the life and in the heart of the Christian. Young person, if you're more passionate about A, B, or C, and I can name all the categories and subcategories that make our life, if you're more powerful about that than you are about knowing about Jesus, there's a problem. You should know about Jesus. You should spend time with Jesus because why? Because that is a disciple's reaction to the resurrection. The truth that Jesus is alive. The truth that Jesus is our savior and he enabled us to be able to have a powerful relationship with him. May they create a powerful burn. So I encourage us this morning. To learn from the disciples on the walk to Emmaus to have a powerful burn. May we learn from the disciples on the walk to Emmaus to have a pursuit of fellowship. Look at what it says in verse number 33. After he, they talked to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us, verse 32 says, as, we talked with us, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. And within the hour, what were they doing? What were they doing? They were back to Jerusalem, and what were they doing there? Having a picnic, looking for the best restaurant. No. What were they doing? They found the 11 disciples who had gathered with them. Can I tell you something that we see as a reaction to the resurrection? We see a powerful burn. We see a pursuit of fellowship. These disciples wanted to be around other disciples. These disciples wanted to be around other disciples. Oh, dear Christian friend, can I encourage you this morning? They found their way back. Why? Why is that important? Well, what was happening? Well, Jerusalem was where the Hope had been coming to a culmination. It's where maybe this is it. Uh, A week before, he had ridden in on the donkey. Maybe he was the coming king. Maybe he was the coming uh, captain of the rebellion. Maybe this was going to be it. We were going to overthrow the Romans. We were going to overthrow the religious leaders that had corrupted uh, the truth of the gospel, had corrupted the truth of the the Jewish way. And, and, And maybe that was it. And they had been disappointed, had lost hope, and they had left seven miles towards Emmaus. A 20-minute mile is probably a decent walk for a mile. Seven miles, that's about 140 minutes, which is about two hours and 20 minutes. Two hours and 20 minutes, they had just walked, listening to Jesus, spending time with Jesus. That changed everything. But then reaction to the resurrection, that powerful burn started in them because of time with Jesus, because truth about Jesus, that was an individual growth and individual growth then led to wanting to be part of a corporate reaction, a corporate growth. And it says here in verse 33, and within the hour they were on their way back to to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them. Can I encourage you today dear Christian? If you're out there and you're kind of cold, find your way back. If you're out there and you're disappointed and you've been let down, Find your way back. Reminds me of a country preacher one time. A member of, uh, of his church who had previously been attending services regularly stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. It was a chilly evening. The pastor found the man home alone, sitting before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, the man welcomed him, led him to a big chair near the fireplace and waited. The pastor made himself comfortable, but said nothing. In the grave silence, he contemplated the play of the flames around the burning logs. After some minutes, the pastor took the fire logs, the fire tongs, excuse me, and carefully picked up a bright burning ember and placed it to one side of the hearth of the fireplace all alone. Then he sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all of this in quiet fascination. As the one lone ember flame diminished, there was a momentary glow, and then its fire was no more. Soon, it was cold and dead as a doornail. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. Just before the pastor was ready to leave, he picked up the cold, dead ember and placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and the warmth of the burning coals around it. As the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said, thank you so much for your visit, and especially for the fiery sermon. I'll be back next Sunday. Find your way back. Dear Christian friend, this morning as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, reaction to the resurrection was a pursuit, a powerful burn. And then there was a pursuit of fellowship. There was, hey, I'm excited about what Jesus is doing in me. I'm excited about what Jesus is teaching me. I'm excited about what Jesus is doing with me. And now I want to go back and I want to get together with others to get excited together. Pursuit of fellowship. May our ember burn. May we truly find other followers who will encourage us, come alongside us, uh, uh, help us, encourage us, encourage our marriages, help us, help our families, pray for us, uh, 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 help us to know when we've lost our way. Here we see the disciples. These disciples on the road to Emmaus And though the resurrection reality comes face to face with them, Jesus is not in the tomb. He's not dead. He is resurrected. He's alive. Let's spend time with him. Let's learn from him, uh, from the scriptures about him. Then let's go and let's pursue fellowship with others who will help us and encourage us along the way. Find your way back. Find other followers. Freely. Look at verse number 35. It says, and then, well, let's finish. There they found the 11 disciples with the others who had gathered with them, you know, who said the Lord has, has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And verse 35 says, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him uh, as he was breaking the bread. Freely share what Jesus is doing and showing in your life. How do you pursue that fellowship? You find your way back, you find other followers, and then you freely share what Jesus is doing and sharing in your life. What did these disciples on the road to Emmaus show us? They showed us that when they were lost, when they were cold, when things looked down, when they were hopeless, Jesus came to them They didn't go to Jesus. Jesus came to them. Praise God for that. Jesus came to them. They spent time with him. They opened their ears and their heart to what Jesus had to say and had to show them. They, They were able to have a burn revived in their hearts. And then they had to find their way back from Emmaus, back to Jerusalem, back to where God was going to work in their hearts and in their lives, where they could find other followers. And then they freely shared what Jesus had done, was doing, and was showing them in their lives. Like I said, I told you at the beginning of this message, I'm right there, I know, I'm with you. So easy in our busy lives, it's so easy when uh, the traffic of the valley is horrible, it's so easy because the time change, it's so easy because, well, you know what? My toe hurts and my hair hurts and my eyebrows hurt. It's so easy because I don't have the right outfit. It's so easy to come up with every excuse, but may we realize here, we gotta find our way back got to get around other followers. We got to share with what Jesus is doing in us and showing in our lives. A powerful burn, a pursuit of fellowship. Oh, how amazing it is. rest of the story is there in front of us. We don't have time to go through every verse, but verse 38 is where I want to pick up. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Again, this is just that moment. You know what I love? Is that we don't see at this moment Jesus saying, there's doubt, there's fear, I'm out of here. (laughs) It's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, there's doubt, there's fear, but I'm here and I'm here with you and I'm gonna show you through what I can show you, how the way forward is possible. Dear Christian friend, maybe you're at that moment in your life. Maybe you're at that moment in your marriage. Maybe you're at that moment with your kids. Maybe you're at that moment with your struggles. Can I tell you right here that Jesus is there and he's with you in the moment. He understands and he knows what it is to have what's going on in your heart. What could he do in the moment? Well, he said, look, I can show you my hands. Verse 40 tells us, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41 is a two-sided verse that I find amazing. Still they stood there in disbelief, but then notice this next phrase, filled with joy and wonder powerful burn, a pursuit of fellowship, permanent joy and wonder. Verse 39 tells us that they uh, uh, were, were realizing that this truly was him. It really is me, he told them. And verse 41 says, still they stood there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. Joy, that word speaks of going beyond circumstances it's a character trait of overwhelming hope can i tell you something when we study the great lives of some of the amazing christians of our of our past as we peek into the history of the christian uh, historical records what we find is that many times many christians went through unspeakably incredibly difficult circumstances and, and, and you see, in, the mo- in those moments, they had joy, not because of what was going on around them. I guarantee you that Elizabeth Elliot, as she sat there and contemplated the fact that those indigenous people had slaughtered her husband and those four other missionaries, she was not in that moment a full of happiness. She was able to have joy. See, joy goes beyond circumstances. It's a character trait of overwhelming hope. I have seen this. I have not experienced it, but I've seen it. I have seen husbands bury their wives. I have seen wives bury their husbands. I've seen parents bury their children. And as a parent and as a husband as a spouse I think I can't imagine what that's And in those moments when you see Christians be able to weather the storm and to maintain their hope in the midst of overwhelming circumstances, that is joy. That is knowing that there is the eternal hope of a risen Savior, of a resurrected Savior. Can I tell you something, dear Christian? You know how you get there? You get there by first having the powerful burn. You've got to spend time with Jesus. You've got to spend time knowing about Jesus. You get there because you've pursued fellowship. You've surrounded yourself with those that are going to encourage you, are going to come alongside you and and be there with you. In every one of the circumstances that I could give you examples of, there was a church, there was a church family, there were Christian families that were around these people that encouraged them and helped them. They had joy going beyond their circumstances. the disciples had been through a lot in the previous days no one not even me i don't know about you could blame them for their disbelief up until this moment everybody who died died and died they had witnessed not just merely his heart stopped beating internally They had witnessed his flesh being ripped open as the cat of nine tails was ripped across across his back. As the flesh was ripped from his ribs and they were able to see his bones and they were able to see his lungs collapsing upon themselves as he hung in that cross and they were able to see those nails penetrating into those wrists, into those hands. They were able to see the crown of thorns placed upon his head. They saw when that spear uh, pierced his side and went into his lungs and nothing but water came out noting that there was it, there was nothing left left for him to be able to breathe and be alive this was not merely a circumstantial perhaps he might be dead let's go put him in a tomb he was dead dead yet here he was three days later and they were he was there in their midst the resurrection had happened and we see and we learn from the reaction to the resurrection This permanent joy, but not only filled with joy, but also wonder, wonder, amazement, amazement at the power of Jesus, amazement at who Jesus is, amazement at what he was able to do, amazement at the power that was manifested in him and through him. They had seen it as a blind man had seen had had, had had gained sight. They had seen it as a deaf person had regained their ability to hear. They had seen it as a demon-possessed woman had been freed from her demons. But this was the one that topped them all. Here, the dead, the dead Savior had became a resurrected Savior in his own power, through his own might. There was permanent joy that goes beyond circumstances. It's a character trait of overwhelming hope. There was permanent wonder, amazement at the power of Jesus. As we go through Luke 24, we find something that should fill us with that joy and that amazement. You see, the same power that was in Jesus through the resurrection would be the power given to every single person that believed in that resurrected Savior. You see, at the end of verse of, of, of chapter 24 of Luke, we find that soon they would have access to that power. You say, how? Pa- uh, Pastor John, how did that happen? Look at verse 47 of Luke 24. It says this. It says, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are all witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power of heaven. Entire volumes and books, series, have been written and could be written about the power of the Spirit of God. But Here's what I want us to understand. That as his disciples, part of our reaction to the resurrection, part of our permanent joy and wonder, is understanding what was accomplished in us now. We have the spirit of God at work in our lives. You know what happens in Thessalonians, what Paul has to address? He has to address the reality that that power was there, but that because of their life, because of their conduct, because of their lifestyle, because of what they tolerated and allowed to be part of their life, they had quenched the spirit. They had pushed the spirit down. No scarier nor sad reality could be present in the life of any Christian Christian, than a Christian who has quenched the spirit in his life. You say, Brother John, but that's just bad news for me. I feel like I'm there. Okay, then we need to go back. Go back to find that permanent burn. Go back that powerful burn. Go back to find that pursuit of fellowship. Because in doing so, you will reignite the permanent joy and wonder, that amazement at the power of Jesus, and the amazement that that power is accessible to you. You know what? In a generation that is purposeless, Young person, I'm talking to you now under the age of 25, under the age uh, of of 20. I'm talking to you in a generation of purposeless existence. You know why we see the upward momentum that we see of suicide? You know why uh, we have so many struggles with this generation finding direction? It's because you see, if they would just get a hold of the message and if they would receive the messenger, which by the way is not you and me, We are tools in the messenger's hand, but we are not the messenger. You see, the Spirit of God can use my mouth. He can use my hands. He can use my feet. But I am not the messenger. He is the messenger. He's given us a message. He's given us a messenger. And now we have a mission. Dear young person, you know what? The opportunities in the 2023 era are limitless for what you can do what you can study. Some of you may one day be part of that mission over there in uh, uh, in SpaceX to send somebody to the moon or to Mars or something else. There's limitless opportunities. But may we never forget that as disciples, as disciples, we have a message and a messenger that have given us a mission. And that mission is to do what this verse says here in verse 47, that all the nations beginning in Jerusalem would know that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Dear Christian friend, may we walk out of here, decided that we are going to have the reaction the disciples did to the resurrection. There was a powerful burn. There was a pursuit of fellowship. There was permanent joy and wonder that led them to a mission in their lives to go and share the good news of the gospel. And that took different forms and different shapes for all of their lives. And that took different forms and different shapes for the next hundred years, for the next thousand years For the next 1,500 years, and here we are 2,000 years later, and it's taking on a different form, different methodologies, different ways, but the message and the messenger has not changed. The mission has not changed. That should be our reaction to the resurrection. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness this morning. Thank you for your truth. I pray, Father, that you would just lead us and guide us. Uh, Father, you know, but I needed this. I don't know how many of my friends here this morning needed this as well, but I pray, Father, that your spirit would do the work. Pray, Father, that you would work in every heart and every life, would open our eyes. Lord, at the end of the walk to Emmaus with these disciples, you were gracious enough to open their eyes. Lord, you could have easily left us in our blindness. We could have missed out on that time with you and the truth. Father, you wanted to reach out to us. You didn't want to leave us blinded in darkness. You pursued us. You came. You spent time with us. And you revealed your truth to us. We have received that truth. May we share it with others. May we share it with others that have already received it and enjoy growing in it. May we fellowship with them. May we stay on mission, Lord. May your message and your messenger guide us. May we be tools in your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Perhaps you would say, Pastor John, this morning, the reality of my fire just not burning. The reality that my cold heart has been needed to place a fire in it once again. This morning, God has called my attention to that reality. Pastor John, would you pray for me in that reality of once again pursuing Jesus with all my heart? Would you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. That's where you're at this morning. I'd like to know that that's where you're at. Praise God for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. you. Perhaps you'd say, Pastor John, you know, it's just not been the pursuit of the fellowship. I've not cultivated the right friends, the right groups. I've not been growing the way I should in surrounding myself with people that will encourage me, encourage my marriage, encourage my family, encourage my pursuit of our Savior. Pastor John, I I just ask that you pray that God would help to rekindle that fire of fellowship in my life. God knew that I needed that this morning. God spoke to me about that. Would you pray for me about that? Would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you if that's where you're at. That's been your stroke. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Amen. God bless you. Perhaps you'd say this morning, Pastor John, the reality of not being on mission, of not falling in love once again with the joy and the wonder, the amazement of who God is and what he has done and what he's doing in my life. I've not been on mission lately. God knows it. I want to rekindle that message I want to give room to that powerful messenger in my life. I want to pray that God would use me this week to be a tool in the messenger's hands, that I would share the good news, that I would share the message so that I can stay on mission. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you, knowing that God's working in your life. God bless you, God bless you. Many, many hands. Father, we love you. Thank you for your graciousness. I raise my hand all three times, Father. I need of you this week. I need of you this hour. Pray, Father, that you would just be with every one of my dear friends. Guide us, I pray. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.